is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. In a few minutes... The National Security Advisor to President Trump, John Bolton, is scheduled to be on the program. And you know what we're talking about, Iran. Now, I hear it said that the President of the United States makes good decisions and bad decisions. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there are some times when a president in this one makes great decisions. This is a great decision. And a statesman-like decision, with a statesman-like speech to the American people and the world. And I know the media haters at MSNBC and CNN and all the rest of them, you know who they are, will be attacking this president. But I want you to understand that he's the center of the tent. He's the pole in the tent that is leading the world on this against the Europeans, against the Russians, against the Chinese, against the media, against the Democrats, against half the Republican Party. And he's right. And he's right. The deal with Iran ensures that Iran will have ICBMs with nuclear warheads that can hit our country. Isn't that enough to know? Barack Obama cut a deal with this rogue regime. John Kerry negotiated it. They created an impossible situation for our country, for your children and your grandchildren. They didn't shut down any Iranian pathway to nuclear weapons. They didn't dismantle a single Iranian nuclear site. They didn't shut down or even slow down Iran's ballistic missile development. They didn't require Iran to stop uranium enrichment. They did not require Iran to relinquish any of its enriched uranium, despite what you've heard. No anytime, anywhere inspections. No curbs on Iran's ballistic missile program. No maintenance of the arms embargo against Iran. No requirement that Iran limit, let alone stop its sponsorship of global terrorism. No requirement that Iran stop or even reduce its incitement to violence. No demands that Iran cease its calls for the destruction of its neighbors, including Israel. Doesn't even demand that that Iran stop launching terror attacks against Americans. It didn't make Iran more moderate. It enabled more dangerous Iranian aggression. The president of the United States, this one, having seen what the last one did, it would be absolutely insane for him to stay on the same course. Absolutely insane. And then to hear the argument, well, what will we do? What will we do? We know what to do. We did it before. Massive sanctions. We drove the leaders And that government to its knees until Barack Obama came in and saved them. The Iranian people rose up, you might recall. For 10 days, Barack Obama said nothing. This is a diabolical regime that has as its purpose the spread of terrorism. It funds terrorism. It's using the money that was released to them to fund terrorism to fund their conventional weapons. And of course, all prepared to go nuke. 
I understand the French. They make a lot of money in these deals. They expect us to save them. I don't know how many more wars we have to save the French. I understand the Germans. I don't much like the German government. Never have. We don't follow the French and the Germans and the Brits as much as I love our friends, the Brits. Boy, oh boy. All right. It's a pleasure to have John Bolton, National Security Advisor to the President. How are you, sir? Doing fine. I hope you're doing well, too. I'm doing well. And for my audience and me, I want to thank the president and you and the people advising him, because this is a very, very important move that the president made. Tell the American people a couple of points. Why was this important? Well, look, the uh, Iran nuclear deal that was negotiated by John Kerry and Barack Obama was fundamentally flawed. It did not contribute to the security of the United States. In fact, it had exactly the opposite result. It was providing cover for Iran to continue to make progress toward an objective it's had for decades, which is deliverable nuclear weapons to threaten us, to threaten our friends in the Middle East and around the world. Uh, And the most effective way to stop Iran from getting deliverable nuclear weapons is give up the charade that this deal was having any effect on them and get down to putting real pressure back on, pressure that Obama never should have released. And you say here, it said in the statement that the United States government is going to restore our sanctions that were working, that were in place against Iran earlier, correct? Exactly. All the sanctions that Obama suspended uh, three years ago are effective again immediately. We do have what's called a wind-down provision for some uh, existing contracts. But the point here, uh, as the president has put it, is, is maximum sanctions on Iran uh, to make sure they don't get the revenue that they need to conduct their uh, ballistic missile research, their nuclear research, their terrorist activities around the world, supporting groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, and, and their armed intrusion into many countries in the Middle East, like Syria, like Yemen, like Iraq. What exactly did this deal stop? I mean, I don't even understand what it stopped. And 10 years after the signing of the deal, they're off to the races again. Look, it stopped the economic pressure on Iran. That's why Iran loves this deal. It's why Iran was never going to renegotiate its terms. Why should they? Uh, From their point of view, it's a great deal. The only thing they regret in Tehran uh, is that they didn't ask Obama and Kerry for more concessions, because if they had, they would have gotten more concessions. Now, we'll put sanctions in place. What if the Europeans and others try and go around us on this? Well, you know, a lot of European uh, uh, goods contain licenses of American technology. And again, effective immediately, uh, our sanctions are back in place on that. So it will have an effect on Iran's commerce with uh, with Europe. Uh, and we're going to be in conversation with the Europeans. This is a very important part of the president's speech uh, to talk about uh, how to move from the failed deal to the larger question of all of Iran's objectionable uh, conduct in the Middle East and around the world. That was one of the basic flaws of the Obama-Kerry uh, deal with Iran, is that it only addressed the nuclear issue and, and not the broader uh, malign influence of Iran. So we're going to start on that beginning tomorrow. We've already had some earlier uh, discussions, and, and I think that's very important because uh, we're not just throwing away this flawed deal with nothing to replace it. We very definitely have something to replace it, uh, and it's important we get our uh, allies' support for it. Why do you think um, even members of the Republican Party, chairman of certain committees and so forth and so on, were counseling the president not to withdraw from this deal? You know, I think there's a certain feeling by a lot of people who opposed the deal to begin with 
that now you're kind of stuck with it and you can't get out of it. And uh, I, I just don't agree with that. I think the president obviously respects their views. Uh, but as he put it, you can't build on a rotten, broken foundation. Uh, and to look at how to achieve our broader objectives, really the only way is to create a, a different reality for the Iranian regime and uh, for the Europeans, try and cut off a lot of the investment funds that are going to go into Iran and put pressure back on them. The, 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 the regime in Tehran responds to pressure. It doesn't respond uh, to lifting the pressure. And that was the, another basic mistake in the Obama-Kerry approach. They thought that by negotiating this nuclear deal, they would change Iran's conduct more broadly. Uh, not only has that not happened, but in the years since the deal took effect, Iran's conduct has gotten worse, as, as we see every day now uh, in Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. Iran's conduct, Syria, Iraq, Yemen. What is Iran's conduct now? Look, this is, this is an ideological regime that's trying to spread its control uh, across the whole region. Uh, and the deal basically allowed them to continue to do that and to find a way to fund their activities. That we're trying to bring to a stop. Mm -hmm. um, the sanctions were actually quite successful, and they were working before this deal, weren't they? Well, exactly, and and that's one reason that Iran wanted to negotiate, not not to solve the nuclear weapons problem, but to get out from under the effect of the sanctions. And I think, again, Obama and Kerry just missed that point, uh, and they didn't ask for nearly what they could have asked. Uh, I just think the entire worldview was mistaken, and I think what President Trump has done today is say, we're going to look out after America's interest here. We're not, we're not going to hope that Iran modifies its conduct. We're going to act in our interest, hope we can bring our allies and others along. You know, we're going to get a lot of support for the president's action from uh, the uh, Arab states in the region, from Israel, uh, from others who understand the threat that Iran poses. Uh, and we're going to continue to work hard on this. We're just not going to give Iran the free pass that the Obama administration gave. John Bolton, how many presidents have you worked for, including this one? Well, this is uh, this is the, the fourth one, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm proud to be part of it. We've got a lot to do. You've served four presidents. You and I serve one together, Reagan. This is one of these historic decisions, isn't it? It is. I, I think it's one of the most consequential decisions uh, of the Trump administration, so far at least. Uh, and it reverses one of the two most important things that Obama did, both colossal mistakes, this deal with Iran uh, and Obamacare. I, I wish we could reverse uh, Obamacare as decisively as yeah. the president acted today on the Iran deal. A couple of quick questions, because I want to be mindful of your time. This Obama-Iran deal didn't shut down any Iranian pathway to nuclear weapons, did it? No, it really, it legitimizes uh, the world's leading financier of terrorism. It legitimizes them as a state with a quote-unquote peaceful nuclear program. Uh, this was a lie that Iran has spun for years. The Obama administration accepted it without any uh, significant investigation into Iran's military activities and without uh, the possibility, really, of finding out what the military aspects of the nuclear program in Iran were through the International Atomic Energy Agency or elsewhere. Uh, so it's just very significant. It's significant because we're getting out of the Iran deal. It's also significant, as the president said today, for the signal it sends to North Korea and his upcoming meeting with Kim Jong-un, that we're not going to take a deal just for the sake of having a deal. We want real denuclearization. 
that's the objective, not not blue smoke and mirrors, real denuclearization. And this Obama-Iran deal didn't dismantle a single Iranian nuclear site, and it didn't even slow down their ballistic missile development, did it? Well, it didn't. It didn't touch the ballistic missile development, and you know they're not uh, they're, they're not engaged in that program to launch communications or weather satellites. The ballistic mm-hmm. missiles are the delivery system for the nuclear weapons, and so it's another example of how flawed Obama's approach was. He tried to solve a small piece of the problem did not succeed in doing that and left Iran completely free to to do uh, dangerous things for the United States and a host of other areas. Well, let me end it this way. I couldn't be prouder of the president of this administration, of you, for doing this. This was tough because you're under enormous pressure from within the government and outside the government and outside the country to do this. I think this is a bright new day. John Bolton, God bless and thank you, sir. Well, thanks for having me on, Mark. We'll be in touch. All right, buddy. You take care. He and I worked together in the Justice Department under Reagan, so he is a buddy of mine. But that said, this is a very, very historic event, very important. The president will come under attack, and I want you to keep something in mind. That's the way historic events occur. That's what happens when he's a statesman. I call the president a statesman here because you see how they try to degrade him. You see how they smear him, the endless character assassination, 24-7 on MSNBC, 24-7 on CNN. I want you to keep something in mind. All these people on TV, these Lilliputians, have accomplished nothing, nothing in their lives, nothing substantive. And yet, they tear this guy down. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You never really got any information from the media about the Iran deal, did you? Did you really get any information about this deal on cable TV at MSNBC and CNN? No. It's just, whose team are you on and are you for or against it? So I want to go through this again so you'll know more than anybody else. This Obama-Iran deal that our president so correctly just withdrew the country from did not shut down any Iranian path to nuclear weapons did not dismantle a single Iranian nuclear site did not shut down or even slow down Iran's ballistic missile development did not require Iran to stop uranium enrichment in fact The agreement obligates the United States to help Iran accelerate its uranium enrichment facilities and technology. The agreement did not require Iran to relinquish any of its enriched uranium. There's this claim that's repeated all the time that they already gave up 97% of its enriched uranium. It's not true. The deal required Iran to exchange its its enriched uranium for an equal amount of uranium-1, easily convertible into low-enriched uranium Now, we didn't get, the world didn't get in return, really anything much, except a 10-year delay. No anytime, anywhere inspections permitted. No curbs on Iran's ballistic missile program. 
No maintenance of the arms embargo against Iran. No requirement that Iran limit, let alone stop, its sponsorship of global terrorism. No requirement that Iran stop or even reduce its incitement to violence. Its threats against the United States, its threats against Israel, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Lebanon, Jordan. Doesn't even demand that Iran stop launching terror attacks against Americans and American soldiers. That's the deal. Didn't make Iran more moderate. In fact, it funded their killing machine. They're more dangerous than ever. And it turned the United States from being the leading global opponent of Iran's nuclear weapons program into the world's leading supporter of Iran's ultimate right to mass-produce nuclear weapons. Is that not nuts? Well, the president, President Trump, said it is nuts. And we're not obligated to follow it. Now, why are we not obligated to follow it? Because Obama, as we talked about at length at the time, circumvented the treaty clause. Because he couldn't get two-thirds of the senators present, the language in the Constitution, to ratify a treaty. So he wouldn't submit it as a treaty. He was bailed out by the likes of Mitch McConnell and Bob Corker, who concocted a statutory scheme in which the reverse would take place. That is, Congress, the full of Congress, would need two-thirds to override a presidential veto. More when I return. With the daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, But what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. You know, I've become a fan of a gentleman. I don't even think he likes me, but that doesn't matter. Charles C.W. Cook over at National View Online. He just, he gets to the point, he usually gets to a good point. Then he says, of course, we've been talking about this too, but look, this was not a treaty that the Obama administration got. It should have been a treaty. So you rammed it through that door, and then the president reached through that door and pulled it out. You can't say that you can unilaterally impose this on the American people in the world and that this president can't unilaterally reject it. 
And there are debates about what is a treaty and what's not a treaty. We do have international agreements that don't go through the treaty provision. But let me suggest this to you, and I've studied this extensively. This was unconstitutional, bypassing the Senate in this regard. This wasn't just some international agreement. This was a comprehensive, comprehensive nuclear, military, geopolitical, economic, international arrangement. Extensive. These are the kinds of issues that are covered by treaties. And when you bypass the treaty provision, you do great damage to the Constitution. That was reason enough to get rid of this. This president has done things I never thought I would see in my lifetime. I'm just being honest with you. And if Bill Kristol was being honest, and if Brett Stevens was being honest, and Jennifer Rubin was being honest, which they're apparently incapable of these days, they would say the same thing. But they're so filled and obsessed with hate, they can't control themselves. They root against this president. They supported, in the past, the United States recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. That's exactly what Trump did. They supported in the past the United States moving its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's occurring on Monday. I never thought I'd see it. They opposed the Iran deal, at least initially. I don't think there are very many Republicans who are running for president who would have had the courage to stand up to Europe, the Russians, the Chinese, the UN, the media, the Democrats and half the Republicans, and do what Trump did today. Which is vital to our national security, America's national security. And I want you to think about something else, because it puts everything in complete context. It really focuses things. If Robert Mueller had been successful already, none of this would be happening. If Robert Mueller and his band of Democrat prosecutors had already been successful, the President of the United States would have been indicted, maybe tried, unconstitutionally, of course, impeached, maybe removed. None of this would be happening. Does that put things in in clear context for everybody? How dangerous Robert Mueller is? How outside our constitutional framework he is? And why he must be fought every step of the way? Every step of the way. Does this also point out another reality? How pathetically, insufficiently intelligent and competent our media are? Tomorrow morning, the same rat thinks and rabbit character assassins who dress up as hosts and journalists will be at it again. Trashing the President of the United States. You know, Donald Trump could invent the cure for cancer, and it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. Forget about these people. You are witnesses to history. Forget about these people. They're the munchkins of all time. You are witnesses to history. The President's dealing with North Korea where he was trashed for an entire year, has been absolutely brilliant. 
Brilliant. People like to assign themselves labels. I belong to this intellectual group. I belong to this intellectual group. Really? People who have to assert they belong to intellectual groups? How about you show a little bit of intellectualism? Believe it or not, despite all the propaganda and despite his imperfections, like we all have imperfections, by the way, president is smarter than all of them. Than all of them. Look, I have my disagreements on different issues here and there, but, but it's not the same as a historical event. You know, a tariff on this one, a tariff on that one. You know my views on that. But that pales in comparison with these seismic decisions that he's making. Pales in comparison. And his enemies want him to roll over. They just keep trying to beat him down. They question his mental competency. They question his marriage. They question his children. They question his wife. They question his businesses. Attack, attack at every level, every media outlet, every investigative arm of the federal government, whether elected in Congress or not in the executive branch. And he stands up to them. They've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. And it very much upsets them because he won't roll over. Or he doesn't talk in monotone when they attack him. Or he goes around them. He is able to exploit social media like they cannot. He goes around them. He goes over them. He goes under them. Reagan used to give these magnificent speeches before there was this sort of social media. Trump plays to his strength. He doesn't give these long speeches. But he does tweet. And it drives them nuts. And it drives them nuts. Now you and I, we're not part of the pom-pom boys and girls. We're not part of the Rockets. We call them as we see them. But we call them as we see them. We call them as we see them. I cannot think of another Republican running for president, maybe Ted Cruz, that would be it, who would have rejected this Iran deal. They would have been cowed. They would have been told by the usual Republican establishment foreign policy types. They would have listened to Bob Corker. They would have listened to this Mac Thornberry, whoever the hell he is. They would be listening to these guys. I would advise against it. Who cares? And then you see the truly desperate and disgruntled, the malcontents among us. Like Jeff Flake. Like Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake is trying to to burn a path to a new career. But he can't. Because he already burned his career. He deceived the people of Arizona to get elected in the first place. But he's like a bad inner thigh rash. He doesn't go away. But that's his legacy. That's his problem. Now, I want you to keep something in mind. The Iranians wanted to keep this deal. 
Now, why would an Islamo-Nazi regime loaded with genocidal maniacs want to keep a deal like this if it's good for the United States? Why would they want to keep a deal like this if it's good for the Jews in Israel? Why would they want to keep a deal like this if it's good for the Frenchies and the Brits and the Germans? Why would they want to keep a deal like this if it's good for the whole world? Are they looking out for us? No. Because they can keep building their ICBMs. They can maintain their nuclear um, experiments. That is what they've already created. They don't have to dismantle a single nuclear site. They can continue to spread terrorism. They can continue to try and knock out regimes in the region. They can continue to spread terrorism and kill Americans. What a deal for the little Hitlerians. What a deal. Why not? They get $150 billion on top of it? Sure. And yet... The media in this country, for the most part, are special pleaders for this deal. They find themselves on the same side as the regime in Tehran. Isn't that fascinating? They're on the same side of the deal as the, uh, as the regime in Iran, the media. You know, they say politics ends at the water's edge. You know, you've heard that a thousand times, but it's not true. It's not true. For a hundred years, the Democrats have taken their politics overseas. For a hundred years, the Democrats have imported their politics from overseas. It's called progressivism. And the ends justify the means. And some Republicans too, by the way. Politics ends at the water's edge. Is that how they thought of the Vietnam War? The riots in the street, spitting on the men who came back. Really? I don't remember that. Do you remember that? Politics ending at the water's edge? When Ted Kennedy conspired with the Soviets against Ronald Reagan, was that politics ending at the water's edge? When John Kerry conspired with the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong against our soldiers, was that politics ending at the water's edge? When so-called Speaker Wright met with Ortega, and was giving aid and comfort to the Nicaraguan communists. Was that politics ending at the water's edge? When Barack Obama reached out to the Castro mass murders, was that politics ending at the water's edge? Don't hand me that crap. And when the Democrats try to enter into international agreements, I'm not talking about economic agreements, I'm talking about international agreements that challenge America's sovereignty, our constitutionalism, by exporting our sovereignty to international governing organizations, as I wrote about in Liberty and Tyranny. Is that politics ending at the water's edge? Hell no! For them, it's always politics, because politics leads to power. Well, today, the American people won the day. Today, the free people of the world won the day. That's how serious, how serious... It was what the president did today. It's about damn time, at least conservative outlets, give the man the credit that's due, at least on this. I'll be right back. Mark in.
folks. We're going to get down to business now. Mother's Day's coming. So let's be real. If your big Mother's Day surprise consists of one well-crafted text message, you need to go back to the drawing board ASAP. Moms deserve more than just emojis. Do it right this year and celebrate mom with this special limited-time offer from 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, you can take care of all the mothers on your list. 1-800-Flowers will give you 24 multicolored roses, plus a free vase starting at $29.99. Now, that's an offer that mom would approve of. With a bright and beautiful mix of premium roses and a rainbow of colors, these blooms are guaranteed to make her smile. Multicolored roses are the perfect way to surprise all the moms in your life. Wife, aunt, sister, grandma. These breathtaking roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness. 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase starting at $29.99. That's an amazing offer. But hurry, because it expires Thursday. Just pick your... I mean, you're you're, you're running up against it here. Just pick your delivery date and 1-800-Flowers will handle the rest. Don't put it off. Order today. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com. It's what mom would want you to do, right? To order 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase starting at $29.99. And for details, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click that radio icon, and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code LEVIN. Harry, offer expires Thursday. Now. I don't know what we're going to put in place of this deal, ladies and gentlemen. This is what you're hearing, the mantra, on and on and on. It's quite simple. It's right here. In the president's, and it's been released to the media, the Office of the Press Secretary, the National Security Presidential Memorandum. I just pulled it off the Internet. The media can read it right here, but they don't want to read it. Here's an example. Section 3. Restoring United States sanctions. Even Joe Scarborough might comprehend that. The Secretary of State and Secretary of the Treasury shall immediately begin taking steps to reimpose all United States sanctions lifted or waived in connection with the deal, including those under the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal 2012, and it goes on. In other words, they're slamming it. The door closed, all of them, to Iran. And to any other country that uses uh, relevant material and parts from the United States. So the crushing sanctions that were in place before Obama sold us out and paid off the Iranians will go back in place. No later than 180 days, but immediately. What else? Secretary of Defense and heads of other, this Section 4, relevant agencies shall prepare to meet Swiftly and decisively, all possible modes of Iranian aggression against the United States, our allies, and our partners. The Department of Defense shall ensure that the United States develops and retains the means to stop Iran from developing or acquiring a nuclear weapon and related delivery systems. Wow. Doesn't that sound like nothing? Sounds like a lot, and of course, as John Bolton mentioned on the program at the top of the hour, the United States is prepared to negotiate a new agreement. But it'd be utterly different than what took place under, <laughs> under Obama. And I'm waiting for the Pat Buchanan piece saying it's Israel's fault. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Israel's behind the whole thing. 
Did you hear Israel anywhere in this thing? No. This is to protect us. The Iranians have killed our soldiers. The Iranians took our people hostage. The Iranians are torturing Americans now. The Iranians are funding terrorism. They've been doing this for 40 years. They've been our enemy. I didn't say adversary. I said enemy. But John Kerry doesn't know an enemy from an ally. Neither does Obama. Busy cutting deals with Cuba. Busy cutting deals with Russia. Busy cutting deals with North Korea. And now you have a president who says, you know what? That's enough. That's enough. And they hate him. The foreign policy establishment hates him. The media hate him. You understand what a cesspool all this is? You see this clown, the attorney general, former of New York, we talked about last night as that news broke, Schneiderman, before him, Spitzer, and uh, Wiener with his Wiener and all the rest of this crap that goes on. These people, they're all buddies. They all socialize. They all look down on you and me, which is kind of hilarious. And the fact of the matter is, they didn't think this president was going to run. I didn't. He told me he would. They didn't think he would win. They didn't think he could govern. And so they're trying to cripple him. So that their wishes come true, not yours. All right, I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hey, Mark Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, let me tell you something. Yeah, let me tell you something. Chuck Schumer, as you know, is the Democrat leader in the Senate. Chuck Schumer's Jewish, as am I. Chuck Schumer's a liberal, as I am not. Most of you in this audience are not Jewish. Some of you are. But I want to have an honest discussion with you. It's becoming... Increasingly clear to me that leftists, whether they're Jewish, Catholic, whatever they are, are more people of politics than they are people of faith. They wake up every morning and during most of the day are obsessed with politics, with the acquisition and exercise of power over their fellow citizens. They're not circumspect, like this guy Schneiderman, a rabid baboon. And he's not alone. And for the Democrats and liberals, even more for, than for Republicans, that's what matters. When you read that New Yorker article about Schneiderman, they were circling the wagons around this guy because he was the anti-Trump. There are people in the media today who come to you in the mornings and other times on television who've cheated on their spouses. They know it. 
I know who they are, some of them. But they get on there and they lecture you. They're immoral people. They've abandoned their their values and beliefs, and yet they try and project this, this aura or this presumption that they're compassionate, that they really care, that, that they're the ones protecting us from, from us. And so I ask you this. Do you learn anything from the media in this country? What is the purpose of the media in this country? I'm not talking about the constitutional purpose. I'm not even talking about modifying in any respect. That's not my point. Is it not obvious that the purpose of the media, at least collectively, is no longer to report the news? I mean, I'm listening to the network news on my own show. I have no control over the network news. And they never do straight news. It's always Trump did this, but they say, fill in the blank, whoever his adversaries are, whoever his enemies are. It's like a short line on Trump and then three sentences on what the opposition, what the Europeans say this. Well, who cares what the Europeans say? And we get this day in and day out, day in and day out. Here is a, uh, a review by our buddies at the Media Research Center. The media get Trump. President's polls improved despite 90% negative coverage. 90%. Not 2 to 1, 3 to 1, 90%. The, the, by Rich Noise, the liberal media's war against President Trump was as fierce as ever during the first four months of 2018. But the onslaught appears to be for naught in the face of massive and hostile coverage from ABC, CBS and NBC. Trump's overall job approval rating actually rose from 37 percent in mid-December to roughly 43 percent at the end of April. We have 3.9 percent unemployment. When's the last time that happened? 3.9 percent unemployment. The president's trying to to protect the nation and secure our border. A matter of justice and fairness and national security and law enforcement. Blocked at every step. He's trying to build up the United States military in the face of what the communist Chinese are doing and the Russians and the rest. And the media are focused on a porn star. And her slip and fall lawyer, who's a Rahm Emanuel guy. Before that, the media were focused on Michael Wolf. Remember that author? Poof, gone. And before that, the media were focused on some psychology professor from Yale talking about the 25th Amendment. Poof, gone. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And I'm supposed to sit here and think, oh, let's have a discussion with Jake Tapper. Oh, let's have a discussion with, well, who's the next one? I don't know. Unbelievable. Jake Tapper's revealed himself. A couple years ago, I used to think he was a pretty straight-laced reporter. He's not. He's just not. I don't know how anybody witnessing him for a period of time could come to any other conclusion. I don't mind having a debate. 
with people about policy and so forth, but he's supposed to be a reporter, right? Not debating policy and question policy. But Chuck Schumer, let me circle back. It is becoming increasingly obvious to me, and I share this with you because honestly, I talk to you in many respects like I do my own family. I'm not a, uh, a performing monkey here. I, I talk to you in many respects like I do to my own family. That an element within the Jewish community and the Democrat Party is more concerned about politics and the Democrat Party than they are their own faith. And if this starts a national discussion, I'm all for it. And by the way, not just Jews, Catholics too, when it comes to the abortion issue and so forth, but I'm focusing on what I want to focus on. Here's what Chuck Schumer said at a press conference today after the president withdrew from the Iran deal. Cut nine, go. There are no reports that Iran has violated the agreement. And to me, the greatest worries from Iran are not right now the nuclear side, but rather what they're doing in Syria, what they're doing to arm Hezbollah with rockets, what they're doing with ICBMs. And to me, the right thing to do would have been to try and come up with our allies with an agreement on those issues. Now, this is amazing. Keep it right there. The countries in the region, and those rockets are aimed at Israel, nobody else. Those Hezbollah rockets are manufactured by Iran, among others, They're aimed at Israel, and they're far more sophisticated than the last time. Estimated 150,000 rockets. Imagine 150,000 rockets aimed at the United States from either Canada or Mexico. Do you think we'd be trying to work with the Europeans to figure out what to do about that? Is that not a provocation? Imagine more. Imagine a terrorist group by Hezbollah, funded by the Iranians, on our border, northern or southern picket, with 150,000 rockets aimed at our cities. Saying death to America, death to Americans. Funded by an enemy state. And Chuck Schumer sits here like he knows better. Like he knows better than the Israelis what the problem is. That I wish we could have worked something out with the Europeans. Who, the Germans? The French work what out? The fact is the deal doesn't prevent Iran from doing what Iran is doing with Hezbollah. Doesn't even mention it. Doesn't even mention it. This man is a sick excuse for a United States senator. And yet APAC will back him? Oh yeah, they'll want him to speak at their convention because of course they're bipartisan. Oh, yeah, Chuck's near. Chuck's always with us. Chuck's a good guy. Chuck's always with us. No, he's not. Go ahead. Nuclear part of this continue as is because it's not being violated in any way. By dividing our allies, and I've just heard the president said he would impose secondary sanctions on European and Asian allies. You're making it harder to go after Hezbollah. He's not making it harder to go after them. He's trying Quite frankly, 
to defeat the regime the way Reagan defeated the Soviet Union. That's what he's trying to do. Economic sanctions, currency sanctions, and so forth and so on. But Chuck Schumer opposed Reagan, and now he'll oppose Trump. Chuck Schumer, you see, for him, he's never on the wrong side of history. Because snake oil salesmen never are. Now, Chuck Schumer voted against the deal, but reluctantly, passively. He never campaigned within his own caucus against it. That way he can tell his Jewish supporters he was against it, and yet tell the president that he was for it. But this is a bigger issue. This is a bigger issue. Chuck Schumer and others in his party want to remove this president. In fact, they'd like to see him hanging from a telephone pole by his ankle. Reference to Mussolini. But they want him destroyed. By hook or by crook. And I'm just explaining to you, my Levinites, my wonderful audience, that this president has not only stood up for our country, he stands up for our allies. And this president has been more supportive of the state of Israel, perhaps more than any president in American history, maybe with the exception of Nixon. But maybe not. And yet listen to Schumer. Special pleader for the Iranians. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to cut to the chase. Enough with the BS. He's a special pleader for the Iranians. The Iranians want the deal just as it is. So does Chuck Schumer. Oh, we can renegotiate it. Why renegotiate it? I thought it was the greatest deal since sliced bread. What's to renegotiate? Just a repeat. It didn't shut down any Iranian pathway to nuclear weapons. So in seven years, they're off to the races. It didn't dismantle a single Iranian nuclear site. How do you renegotiate that? And why is this president bound by such a ridiculous agreement, such an insane deal? Didn't even slow down their ballistic missile development. Didn't require them to stop uranium enrichment. No anytime, anywhere inspections. No curbs on Iran's ballistic missile program. No maintenance of the arms embargo against Iran. No requirement that they limit, let alone stop, global terrorism, including against us. No requirement that they release our prisoners who they're torturing. And it goes on. Can't we just negotiate a little better with our European partners? Now, our European partners are free to do whatever they want except use anything that we provide them in whole or part uh, in terms of sales to the Iranians. They can renegotiate a deal. In fact, the Iranians can renegotiate the deal. Obama's put them on the spot. Excuse me. Uh, Trump's put them on the spot. Trump has said, you know, we can look for a better deal. Now, if the Iranians want a deal, now they have to come to a different president at a different table. And so uh, it's actually a brilliant stroke by the president. But Schumer's a disgrace. In fact, the whole Democrat Party, disgrace. Remember how they would trash Trump and take up for Kim Jong-un? Oh, they would. It's Trump who's going to start a nuclear war. Not un, you see. Not un. Who is the prison guard over a prison state that has over 20 million people, most of whom are starving to death, and many of whom are in political gulags. No, but it's Trump is the problem. Not un. Trump's the problem, not the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. 
Trump's the problem, not Xi in China, not Putin in Russia. It's Trump, don't you know? And thank God for Robert Mueller, who's going to take him out, you see? I'll be right back. Mark in. This guy, Rhodes, who served as the Deputy National Security Advisor for Strategic Communications to Obama, Ben Rhodes. There was an article back on May 6, 2016 in the Washington Compost. And he was fascinated with himself, was Ben Rhodes, for how he so easily persuaded the media to support his boss, Obama, which really is not a hard thing to do. And uh, he said in the article, an article that, uh, that had been written and was mentioned by the Post, the Compost, that is, it was in New York Times Magazine originally, that it was easy to shape a favorable impression of the proposed agreement because of the inexperience of many of those covering the issue. You know, everybody can't be as experienced as Mika Brzezinski, folks, or Don Lemon. Quote, all these newspapers used to have foreign bureaus, he said. Now they don't. They call us to explain to them what's happening in Moscow and Cairo. Most of the outlets are reporting on world events from Washington. The average reporter we talk to is 27 years old, and their only reporting experience consists of being around political campaigns. That's a sea change. They literally know nothing. So Rhodes set up a team of staffers who were focused on promoting the deal, which apparently included the feeding of talking points at useful times in the news cycle to foreign policy experts who were favorably disposed toward it. He told the magazine, New York Times Magazine, we created an echo chamber. They, these seemingly independent experts, were saying things that validated what we had given them to say. The manager of the White House's Twitter feed on Iran, Tanya Samanander, and one reporter, Lauren Rosen of Al Monitor News Site, became my RSS feed. She would just find everything and retweet it. Rhodes' assistant, Ned Price, told the newspaper that the administration would feed color, that is, background details, to their, com- to their comrades in the press corps. He says compadres. We know he means comrades. And the next thing I know, lots of these guys are in the dot-com publishing space, and have huge Twitter followings, and they'll be putting this message out on their own. So he's, he's very proud of how, they, uh, of how the state, the Obama administration, controlled the narrative through the so-called media. In the article, Rhodes speaks contemptuously of the Washington policy and media establishment, including the Washington Post and New York Times, referring to them as the blob that was subject to conventional thinking about foreign policy. We had test drives to know who was going to be able to carry our message effectively and how to use outside groups like the anti-nuke group Plowshares, the Iran Project, and whomever else. So we knew the tactics that work, Rhodes says. Speaking of Republicans and other opponents, including Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, Rhodes adds that he knew we drove them crazy. Sick. Absolutely sick. And we also had, you'll recall... Josh Meyer, who used to write for Politico, maybe he still does, but I think he's in somebody's witness protection program. Maybe Mueller got a hold of him. Two long articles exposing far worse about this deal, the side agreements, how the Obama administration pulled back law enforcement and our intelligence agencies to let some of these vipers escape. Unbelievable. 
And the president fixed it today, took care of it, dealt with it, and we salute him. I'll be back. America's Constitutional Convention, The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I'll elaborate on this a little bit later. Our Sunday show at 10 p.m. is a juggernaut now, an absolute juggernaut. We had a 1.4 rating, which means nothing to most of you, but let me put it in context. CNN at a 0.6 and MSNBC at a 0.7. That means if you combine the two, my show be both of them combined. We also won the demo. It wasn't even close. They talk about the demo, 25 to 54. The show's getting bigger and bigger and bigger as more and more of you find us on Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. It is the least reported media story in the country. You know, these networks have, well, a media reporter, media reporter, and they have ad week, and they have all these, in, not a word. Now, if I was falling on my face, there'd be more than a word. But I don't fall on my face because of you. So I want to thank you, folks, as that show gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and we love doing it. We think it's very, very important. You know, good news. Hillsdale College offering their free online Constitution 101 course again, but only for a limited time. So you need to register right away at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N, for Hillsdale.com. Hillsdale is the authority on teaching the Constitution. You can take the course based on the same curriculum Hillsdale students use, taught by the same amazing professors. Close to one million people have registered. If you haven't, you should. Now, I know this research I'm about to share doesn't apply to you, my beloved audience, but did you know one in three Americans can't name a single right protected by the First Amendment? The First Amendment. And only 25% can name all three branches of government. But get this, 33% can't name any branch of government, even one. Look, you need, we need to help make sure that our fellow Americans understand not just those facts, but our constitutional rights too. Constitution 101 provides you the perfect overview. So register. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. You'll even get a free pocket constitution just for signing up. And you have to know... (laughs) Liberty to defend liberty, and that's what Hillsdale College is all about. Levin for Hillsdale.com, L E V I N for Hillsdale.com. Pleasure to have my friend Eli Lake from Bloomberg on. How are you, Eli? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, congratulations on the Fox show. I DVR it. You DVR, so you like it, right? Yeah, it's great. No, it's Uh, it's in depth conversations, and I always learn something, so it's great. I appreciate it. Eli. We had John Bolton on the program. He gave us an overview of this. I see the pushback already in the media. And, and the more I go through this, I don't even know what the pushback is about. Help us. I think it's, I mean, it's, there's a panic mode going on um, already. The big concern, and I'll say that I had this concern as well, was that if the U.S., if, if Trump got us out of the treaty, or I'm sorry, it's not a treaty, we should make that very clear, the agreement, then... Mm. The Iranians would then kick out weapons inspectors and begin the enrichment, which would, would, would cause a kind of spiral and escalation and a crisis at a moment when 
The president is trying to negotiate better terms of our trade agreements with China, the North Korea thing, and everything else. I think that was the smartest, most honest argument about it. But so far, what was the reaction from the Iranians was to enter negotiations with the Europeans, who said they were still remaining in the agreement, in order to try to save it. And I think what Trump really exposed here was that this was not a win-win agreement for the West and the Iranians. The Iranians really very much wanted to stay in this agreement, which is important because at the end of the Obama administration, in its final year after this thing was implemented, what you saw was the Iranians kept nudging and threatening, like, hey, we might have to walk away. You have to make the terms better. And we saw all kinds of ridiculous things. John Kerry went to European capitals encouraging investment in Iran. I mean, this is crazy given the fact that the Iranians were waging a regional war all throughout the Middle East and, you know, testing missiles and all kinds of other things that we didn't like and we were trying to stop. So it's the very best at this point you to say that Trump got us out of that cycle and showed that the Iranians wanted the agreement and wanted this more than the United States. And that's a valuable position from a negotiating perspective. And we'll see what comes of it at this point, whether or not, you know, the Iranians will try to push the envelope. And you have to expect that at a certain point, maybe they will. But so far, the first reaction is that they haven't. But what about us? We want to remove that regime. And we can't remove that regime with crushing economic sanctions and attacks on their currency and all the rest that was taking place before Obama came in office, as long as we are basically protecting this agreement. Um, to a certain extent, you're right. But the interesting thing here is that the Iranians have done such a number on their own economy that their currency was in free fall before Trump's announcement. In fact, the value of the real was even lower compared to the dollar than it was you know, before they were pressured to the negotiating table under Obama uh, following those crippling sanctions. And that's largely because as we both know, the Iranian regime is, is run by thieves and fanatics, and the banks themselves are fraud. There's been a run on the banks. There's a drinking water crisis right now in Iran. Um, and this is also part of, I mean, there is a democracy movement which doesn't get enough attention, in my view. And they have really gained momentum since late December when we saw a lot of those protests. And you were great on this. I remember your radio program. You were bringing attention to it. But that it, that stuff has continued on. And there are things that a Trump administration can do that are, you know, not, you know, invading Iran or anything like that, but they can just establish a channel to the Iranian democratic opposition inside the country and try to do things that advantage them, um, whether it's pressing for the release of political prisoners, like we saw under Ronald Reagan in the, the end of the Cold War, or it's specific sanctions that are targeted at things like their propaganda organs. And a lot of Iranian dissidents who I've interviewed have said that this is what they want, and now I think that Trump is in an opportunity, has a great opportunity to do that kind of thing. And, and I agree. You brought up Reagan, and I talk about this all the time with respect to China, North Korea, Iran. What they're doing here is, is basically using their own blueprint, sort of Reagan light when it comes to Iran. George Bush was doing the same thing. Obama came in, changed all that. And if, as you say, and I believe you, that their economy is this bad off, their currency is this bad off, more the reason to get out of the agreement and put the, the brass knuckles on in terms of trying to bring down the regime. The problem is the Europeans aren't thinking about it that way, but maybe the president is. I, I think that it's the president in what he said. He mentioned the Iranian people, which was very good in my view. But he also left out the possibility that maybe later the Iranians would want to negotiate another deal. And my yeah. question is, what Iranians? I hope that he, when 
I hope the Iranians that we negotiate a nuclear Nah, you like, have to say something like that. That's my view. Maybe I'm wrong. You have to say, hey, look, I'm here. You want to negotiate something else? What could, they, we, what could we possibly negotiate with them? Seriously. Well, I, I think you raise a very good point. I mean, and, but what I'm saying is he did not go as far as people like Dr. Michael Ledeen would say, which is the U.S. policy is regime change for Iran, full stop, similar to the National Security Directive and Reagan's first term with regard to the Soviet Union. And by the way, every, a lot of people will attack this position and saying you just want a war. No, I'm trying no. to avoid a war. The Iranians are the ones who are waging a war mm-hmm. right now on all of our allies in the Middle East. They're the ones who take American dual nationals as hostages. If you want to stop this kind of aggression that could lead to a war, then you need to think about how to replace the regime through the Iranian people who are already organizing and, 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 and agitating for democracy. And in the president's statement, when I read also his uh, the memorandum that he signed, he was pretty blunt. I mean, uh, Iran would be making a huge mistake if it went to war. And and also, to your point, if you go to war, you better be able to economically sustain it. And oh. if their economy is falling apart, and I don't know that it's falling apart, if their economy is weak and they're up against, you know, real serious military forces, including the Israeli military force, who knows how long they can last? It's, you know, it's not Iraq versus Iran. It's Iran versus, you know, civilized countries. And also add to this, the new crown prince of Saudi Arabia has his own policy, which is similar to what the U.S. or what is now being reimposed by Trump, which is that he's telling other countries, you have to choose between working with us, investing in our economy or investing in the Iranian economy. That's very interesting as well. So you're getting it kind of from a regional perspective, too. And so I think that the Iranians will try anything they can to have the Europeans save them in this moment. And we'll see what they agree to. What I'm concerned about is that, you know, I, I think that the eyes should remain on the prize, and that is helping the Iranian people achieve a democratic transition from their brutal dictatorship. It's almost 40 years, and I think that most Iranians are sick of their uh, tyranny. That can only happen if it's overthrown from within or without, obviously. Obviously, and I think it should be overthrown from within, and I think that we're starting to see the signs that are there. They got close in 2009, and then, you know, as, as you talked about on the show, that Obama basically let him twist in the wind. But you know, when we see a moment like that, hopefully coming up again, similar to what we saw in December, January. But as you know, the momentum builds. I think the Trump administration would be much more receptive. At least that's my hope, uh, and that the president would understand that that's the real opportunity and that's the strategic outcome that we need. Now, Eli Lake, did you ever think you'd see that? Well, ever. Did you think you'd actually see this day? I was skeptical, and I, I have to say that I was surprised. And I thought, you know, Trump was fairly straightforward. And I, you know, I, I'm still a little bit concerned. What I worry about is that, you know, if they're desperate and they create a kind of nuclear crisis, like, you know, that could spin out of control. So I'm All right, right but, but Eli, Eli, they're arming up for war. 150,000 missiles with Hezbollah, True. what they're doing in, Saran, in uh, Syria towards Israel, what they're doing in Yemen with Saudi Arabia. It's not like this pushes them over the edge. They're over the edge. No, I agree that they're over the edge in the conventional. What I was saying is that if I thought it was a bad deal, as we, we talked about at the time, I'm not defending the deal. What I was saying is that I thought that uh, but maybe it was too clever by half. My idea was let the fate of the deal kind of play out and have it be uncertain and then focus on what I think is the main thing, which is to, you know, separate the regime from the people. And that is happening in Iran. I don't want to, you know, 
sort of filled with happy talk. We can't predict the moment that will happen. But you should see every week there are new protests. Women are taking off their hijabs. We're seeing it from all sectors of the economy throughout of the country throughout the country. This is a it's it's it's, it's getting to the moment where there's so many pressure points on them, and this adds to that pressure that I think that you know the Iranians will have to make a choice, and hopefully with the Israeli you know, efforts right now in Syria, and if the U.S. can kind of do that, then that pressures them in that front as well, and that they start having to make serious choices, that they can't sustain their expansionist war in the region, which is... Well, they're not going to go down easy any more than Venezuela will go down easy. It's totally different circumstances, but you get my point. Any more than Syria will go down easy. These dictators hold on, and... uh, But I do agree that there's rumblings going on here, and that's a good thing, but it is amazing how much these dictators can tolerate when their people suffer. That's Eli Lake, you, go ahead. You finish up. No, I was going to say, that's true, but keep in mind, the key is to get the policemen to disobey the dictator. That's how it yep. always is the sign, and that's the key, and, and that's what we have to focus on. Keep up the great work, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. All right, that's Eli Lake. He's very good. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. better Mother's Day gift than to get rid of those bags and puffiness under your eyes and those saggy, droopy eyelids, too? And no, I'm not talking about surgery, either. I mean, have you ever seen these actresses and actors who have this surgery, and then when they're done, they look like the elephant man? Have you seen that, Mr. Producer? You go, whoa, 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 what's going on there? Don't Don't mess with your face like that. Listen to Joanne from Connecticut. My husband looks 10 years younger using Genesel. He saw results in the first day he used it. I've also had remarkable results. Can't be without it. Now, Genesel by Chamonix is an easy choice. Genesel contains natural ingredients for incredible results safely and quickly. It's as simple as that. In fact, with immediate effects, you'll see results like Joanne's in as little as 12 hours or your money back, guaranteed. And for one more week, one more week, order Genesel. And try Chamonix's brand new Genesel Eyelid Lift for droopy, sagging eyelids, absolutely free. It's a special Mother's Day surprise, by the way. Chamonix will include a second surprise luxury gift, also free. So what am I saying? Act! Don't wait anymore. Go to Genesel.com. Genesel.com. Better yet, call 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Call now, and express shipping is also free. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or visit Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right. Just a little sum up on this Sunday stuff. I have this little Sunday show at 10 p.m. It's really the last live show, or the last, yeah, on uh, Fox of the week, or as I like to refer to it, the first show of the week. It's 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And what I've decided to do, and I, well, how long has it been on now, Mr. Producer? Three months or so? Yeah, about three months. And it's been extremely successful, meaning many of you are watching it. So ABC News has now hatched something, and PBS has hatched something, and I think Westwood One has hatched something. It doesn't really matter. I take all comers. What they don't have is me. But I use the program as an opportunity to explore a wide variety of issues. 
with people from a wide variety of backgrounds, many of whom you've heard of, many of whom you don't know anything about. And from week to week, we'll really never know what kind of show I'm going to have because it just depends. And I try to get the best of the best. Some of these people, as I say, you know, but I want to draw them out and get information that you may not otherwise know about them or hear from them. Like we have a spectacular interview coming up this Sunday with Gary Sinise. And I want you to know all about Gary Sinise. You don't know all about him. I want you to know about all of his patriotic things that he's doing and how that applies to us today. We had a fellow on the week before last. His name was Berlinski. It's one of our highest rated shows. It's one of the great intellects on the planet. One of the great intellects on the planet. And many of you really enjoyed that program. This past Sunday, we had two of my buddies, Dan Bongino and Joe DeGenova. They were terrific. And we took our time, didn't we? And we went through the issues about indictment, the Department of Justice memorandum. We went through the whole panoply of issues related to what's taking place here. And who better? So that's what I'm doing with this Sunday night program. I'm going to prove that this Sunday night hour, 10 p.m. Eastern, can hit it out of the park. Whether we're up against football, Sunday night football when that's back, whether we're up against the basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, ABC, whatever the hell it is, I want that to be the place you come to. And so you might turn on the show and say, who's that? That's the show you want to watch. Because I'm doing this show with you in my mind, with you as my focus, just as I've done radio all these years, just as I do Levin TV, and just as I do my books. It's with you, my audience, in mind. And many of you are finding us over there at 10 p.m. Sunday night. And it's the kind of program where you want to end the week, I think, and begin a new week. It's just not the same thing over and over and over again. We take our time and we go through things. And in three months, we've had a lot of fascinating people already, have we not? So I hope you'll continue with us. I have a gentleman coming on later in the year who's, who's so fascinating to me. Writing about liberty. What is liberty? Wouldn't you love to hear a show like that, Mr. Producer? What is liberty? What does it mean? It's much more complicated and complex than you might otherwise think. We've talked about it. But one of the people I cite in Rediscovering Americanism is the gentleman I'm going to have on the program in person so we can talk about those things. Meanwhile, we'll have other people you're quite familiar with. So stick with us. I won't steer you wrong. I work very hard, even though I have a lot of fun, to try and bring this to you while I can. All right, folks, we'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Now, you can see over at the Drudge Report, he's got, is that a siren up there? I had to move the page. He's got a headline anyway about payments, apparently made from a Russian oligarch, 
to Michael Cohen. I'm going to read you the CNN version of this because that's what I have up right now. And then I'm going to ask you what the problem with this story is. I'm going to ask you what the problem with this story is because it was sent to me by my buddy, Andy McCarthy. And he noted something that was wrong with this story. And I want to pass that along to you. So let's listen carefully. CNN, special counsel Robert Mueller's investigators have questioned a Russian oligarch about hundreds of thousands of dollars in payments his company's U.S. affiliate made to President Donald Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, after the election, according to a source familiar with the matter. There they go again. Victor Vexelberg, chairman of asset manager Renova Group, is an oligarch close to Vladimir Putin. Last month, the Trump administration placed him on a list of sanctioned Russians for activities including election interference. Now, right there, does it even make sense, this story? But let's go on. The purpose of the payments, which predate the sanctions, and the nature of the... So, in other words, so far, this oligarch gives money to Cohen, and later, Trump sanctions the oligarch. Does that sound nefarious to anybody? Certainly not to me, but let's go on. The purpose of the payments, which predate the sanctions and the nature of the business relationship which between Vexelberg and Cohen, is unclear. Yet the story, let's keep going. The scrutiny of the payments could add to the legal troubles for Cohen, whose home and office were raided last month as part of a criminal investigation by federal prosecutors in Manhattan. Where are these federal prosecutors again, Mr. Producer? In Manhattan. In court documents. (coughs) Pay attention. In Manhattan. In court documents, the prosecutors said at least part of their inquiry stemmed from a referral from Mueller's office. A referral from Mueller's office. Hmm. Antennae starting to go up? Stay with me. The questions asked of Vexelberg suggest that Mueller investigators have been examining some of Cohen's business relationships as part of the investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential campaign. Vexelberg is one of the two Russian oligarchs the FBI stopped earlier this year after their private jets landed in the New York area airports as part of Mueller's investigation. Stay with me. Investigators also asked Vexelberg, the Russian, about donations the head of his affiliate, U.S. affiliate, made to Trump's inaugural fund and campaign fund, sources said. The attorney for Stormy Daniels. Here we go. The media's favorite attorney, the porn star, who received $130,000 to keep quiet about an alleged affair she had with Trump a decade ago. Produced information Tuesday evening that appears to add further details to CNN's reporting. Michael Avenatti alleged that Cohen received half a million dollars from a company affiliated with Vexelberg in the months after the presidential election. He alleges the half a million dollar went into the bank account of Essential Consultants, a shell company that Cohen set up before the election that was used to pay Daniels. Avenatti added that the payments occurred from January to August 2017. CNN has reviewed documents. Hold on one second. I'm getting there. CNN has reviewed documents that appear to show these payments. CNN has not independently authenticated the documents. Prosecutors have not accused Cohen of wrongdoing in regard to the payments or any other business dealings, and it goes on. Now, 
So this was sent to me by my buddy, and he is my buddy, Andy McCarthy. And he noticed something. Anybody notice something? As you read this, he writes, you have to keep reminding yourself that Special Counsel Mueller chose to transfer the Cohen case, the entire Cohen case, to the Southern District in New York. It's hard for me to believe that he and his fellow prosecutors didn't know about these payments, and harder for me to believe that he would have given the case to another prosecutor if he really thought this stuff helped him. In other words, why would Mueller, who's very possessive of his massive investigative territory, keeps expanding it into bank fraud and wire fraud in 2005, 2007, involving, alleged, allegedly, involving uh, Manafort, why would he have a case like this? Where there are alleged payments from a Russian oligarch with ties to Vladimir Putin to Trump's personal lawyer and hand it off to the Southern District of New York. And it's hard to believe he didn't know about the payments, given the fact that they're doing a very, very detailed examinations of these bank accounts and so forth. Of course, CNN doesn't ask that question, does it? So the suggestion is this doesn't help the Mueller investigation into, into Russian collusion and interference in our campaign and collusion with Trump world. Because if it did, he wouldn't have let it go. He wouldn't have transferred it to Manhattan from Washington, D.C. Now let people noodle on that, on that one. But they're going to run with this guy Avenatti, the slip and fall lawyer who has as his purpose to destroy Trump, to smear Trump. He's an apparatchik of his own. And that's what's going on with this. But there's another piece, CBS News, uh, that was updated early this morning. Former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who's now on President Trump's legal team, CBS, nothing gets past CBS, told CBS News correspondent Paula Reed Monday, that special counsel Robert Mueller's office has rejected proposals to allow Mr. Trump to answer questions from investigators in writing. President's legal team has signaled that this would be their preferred format for a possible interview since it's helped protect Mr. Trump from the possibility of lying or misleading investigators, which is a criminal offense. Notice the reporter is a hack. The way it should have been written is, so it protects Mr. Trump from the liars and misleading investigators. Now, let's stop right there. I am glad that the Trump lawyers made this offer to Mueller. Does anybody know why? Because it shows that they're being reasonable, even though Mueller is not. Even though the area of questions that Mueller wants to pursue are unreasonable. And should he subpoena the president of the United States... The President of the United States will not only have a strong constitutional argument to make, not only will he have a strong argument to make on the facts, a strong argument to make based on the Department of Justice policy that Mr. Mueller is violating, but he can also show the court and seceding courts that, in fact, they were willing to answer questions in writing. And Mr. Mueller said no. I want to continue to give my advice that I've given early on 
and which has now reached a point of like a choir at a church or a synagogue with all the backbencher lawyers joining in. But that's okay. I, somebody needs to sing the verse that the president of the United States should fight this all the way to the Supreme Court and raise every possible privilege that they can think of. And I'm not just saying this as a litigation tactic. I'm saying this in order to protect the office of the presidency. Look, if I'm wrong about this, there really is nothing that stops a U.S. attorney, and I said this to you the other day, anywhere in the country, from subpoenaing the president. I told you this the other day. You might say, well, they have to use the Justice Department. Forget about all the niceties. There's nothing to prevent a United States attorney from issuing a subpoena Uh, against the president with a very, very tangential connection. We needed to know the president's intent about this, you know. Since the president can be subpoenaed, and since he can be subpoenaed on, on things about his official duties, why not? So the point is, there's no limit to this. It's enormously dangerous, and it needs to be fought. We cannot allow Robert Mueller to determine what our Constitution is or is not. We cannot allow Robert Mueller to determine whether a president is a president or not. And that's what's taking place here. And that's why I spent, what, 90 minutes last evening, lovingly so, I enjoyed it enormously, going over the impeachment clause and some of the history, and we'll do more of that later, down the road, on... on the extensive debate, the complexity of it, it's not as simple as people think. And then one prosecutor can roll in here and burn down the whole system? No. And that's exactly why the Department of Justice said that they can't. So I wanted to bring up this Mueller rejection of questions in writing to the President of the United States. This guy's not 10 feet tall, ladies and gentlemen. He's not 10 feet tall. Ultimately, I suppose the Supreme Court's going to have to decide this. But, um, and I don't know what the Supreme Court will do, but I do know what the Constitution says, and I do know the history behind that, whatever the justices decide. All right, so you're going to see the headlines. You're going to see it on the Drudge Report. You're going to see it everywhere, uh, that Cohen received payments from a company owned by this oligarch who's close to uh, Putin. And then you need to ask yourself, How would Mueller not know about these payments? Clearly he would have. And why wouldn't Mueller have kept this case since the word Russia is involved and it has, at least theoretically, a much closer connection than most of what he's investigating on Manafort? And if he thought something was here, that something that could actually help his his investigation, there's no way he would give it to the Southern District of New York. So you got to keep your wits about you. You got to read a little bit between the lines and you got to hold on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Chicago, Illinois, the great WLS. Go. Hello, Mark. Uh, it's an honor to speak with you. Thank uh, you. I, I, I just, I'm so frustrated. The, the ignorance of American citizens when they see the truth right there in front of them, the comp- complete failures of Obama and the Democratic pod, Party mm-hmm. when they were going, uh, the collusion of Hillary 
the media ignoring the facts, 16 months of zero <laughs> facts found against Trump, yeah. and this judicial system uh, just way out of line and out of control. I'll mm-hmm. listen to your answer. Thank you so much. Well, my answer is in two words. I agree. And I very much do, and I think there's tens of millions of us who do, quite frankly. James, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go! Oh, hi, Mark. It's such an honor to meet you. I'm a really big fan, and I just want to ask a very simple question. And it's about Iran. Mm -hmm. Isn't it a shame that Iran's government is so fanatical that its priorities are so screwed up to the point where they view us, a country that is very peaceful and intent, a country that does not want to kill any Iranians whatsoever, we wouldn't want to, and instead tango in bed with all these other terrorist organizations like Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas, etc., that quite frankly, would like to see every Iranian dead if they just stuck to their ideology. Mm-hmm. So what is your question? I'm sorry. Well, basically my question is, wouldn't it just be great if we somehow were able to get rid of this Iranian government and replace yes. with a go- sorry, with a government that was secular and actually took the terror, the radical Muslim threat seriously, because quite frankly... Well, we had one called the Shah of Iran, and the left hated the Shah of Iran, even though he was an excellent ally, even though he kept relative peace in the region, even though he pretty much mind his own business, but he was our ally, and we helped install him, and the left hates that. So they prefer an Islamo-Nazi regime that kills American soldiers, that funds terrorism, and threatens our allies, and threatens us, should they get ICBMs with uh, nuclear warheads. That's how sick they are. Yeah, they are sick. And quite frankly, this is what I think we should do. I believe that when trying to make a case to the Iranian people to get rid of their current government, we say this to them. Look, your government has, their priorities are completely screwed up. They are saying that... I, I don't think they disagree. The problem is most of them have guns at their heads, you know? I know. And that's, that's the risk that they're going to have to want to take, because... If they continue to listen to their, gover- to their government, they will continue to be in bed with terrorist groups, not Iranian terrorist groups, but foreign terrorist groups that want to kill them. Because- All right, James. No, no, I get your point. I appreciate it. Let us go to Donna Frederick Maryland, the great W-M-A-L. Go. Hi, Mark. I wanted to tell you I watched A Life, Liberty, and Levin with Joe DiGenova and Dan Bongino, and I was glued to the set. I really appreciate the law perspective and uh, the fact that this Mueller investigation is illegitimate and tends to keep going on and on in the same fashion. I just wanted to thank you for it. Thank you, and I appreciate my two Italiano buddies. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I'm an Italiano, too. I know. I love it. I grew up with Italians, mostly. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. And some ethnic groups have a lot of similarities. I won't get into that, but they do. And I think, uh, quite frankly, Jews and Italians kind of do. Mark, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. Paul, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP, go. Hey, Mark, you are the only thing that's keeping me from asking Scotty to beam me up. (laughs) You are unbelievable. But 
Uh, and so is Trump. I was a Ted Cruz guy here in Dallas, but I cannot believe how many brilliant negotiations he's made up into, including the Iran deal today. He's dismantled everything so far, and that's in spite of all the BS that's going on of them, everybody trying to tear him down, from the feckless Republicans to the Democrats to the media to the bureaucratic deep state. Uh, he's been unbelievable. If they just uh, uh, we get past this election and give him 60 Republican senators, we might get something else done. I don't know we can get 60 of them. And half of them will be no damn good anyway. But I agree with you. And this Mueller thing has to be fought. Has to be fought because he has as his purpose a coup. I've said it. I mean, I can't say it any more times. So that needs to be fought. All right, Dallas. I appreciate your call, big guy. That's Paul from Dallas. Let us go to Judy in Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hi, Mark. Hello. First time caller, I'm so honored to talk to you. You are amazing. You're also well, very funny. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Yes. So listen. Um, well, I don't do a lounge act. You know, some talk show guys do a lounge act. I can't do a lounge act. Oh, you're a natural. You're so, do, Mitch McConnell and other people you imitate. I mean, I'm on the floor. I'm cracking up. But I wanted to, and you're amazing. They threw the mold out when they made you, no question. And quite frankly, you are a humanitarian, and I consider myself a humanitarian. I feel like I'm Mother Teresa in some ways. (laughs) Okay, so listen. We got to hold you over now. You're appraising me way too much. And I can't cut off a nice lady like you, so hang in there. We'll be right back. show with a warning label for liberals the mark levin show call him now at 877-381-3811 now we're keeping an eye on west virginia because they're voting in west virginia and let's see what percentage of the vote is in mr producer can't really seven percent reporting uh, we have Patrick Morrissey, 7%. Okay, we got a ways to go. Patrick Morrissey, who's the most conservative, 35.7%. He's the Attorney General of West Virginia. Evan Jenkins, who's a kind of a rhino Republican. He has 27.5%. Carl Rove was behind him, so that tells you all you need to know. Don Blankenship at 20.8%. But, I mean, there's about 16,000 votes taken in the Republican primary. And... Um, that's 7% of the total so far of the precincts reporting. On the Democrat side, same percentage of the precincts. And Manchin only has 67.9% against Paula Jean Swearingen, whoever that is, who has 32.1%. So we'll see how that goes. We'll keep an eye on that till the end of the program, but that's where that is. Are you hiring? Posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Now, these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. In fact... 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter 
Well, they get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there, folks. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, my listeners, you, well, you can try ZipRecruiter free, absolutely free. Here's how you do it. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, let's go back to the young lady. Let me see here. Who was it? I'm trying to. Oh, Judy in Brooklyn. Go right ahead. I'll go right ahead. Thank you so much. Um, I'm very upset with John Kerry, and I really would like your input because I respect you so much. You know, the last I looked, he's not Secretary of State anymore. He's a private citizen, and yet he runs around. He tells a bus to ignore President Trump and the administration, which was, I think, treasonous or borderline. Now he's running around holding speeches about Iran uh, against Donald, uh, President Trump and the administration. Uh, he's, he's such a troublemaker. Well, you know, it's like Hillary won't go away and Obama won't go away and Kerry won't go away. You know, for some people, it's like bad hemorrhoids. <laughs> the, fact you- of the, ma- the fact of the matter is what John Kerry has done is consistent with who he is. You'll recall John Kerry uh, aided and abetted the enemy during the Vietnam War. And he spoke with the enemy during the Vietnam War, the uh, North Vietnamese. Moreover, he testified against his fellow soldiers, accusing them of all kinds of uh, war violations, war crimes, genocidal activity. He lied through his rather substantial teeth. This is a guy who, uh, who was not only a senator from Massachusetts and lieutenant governor before that, he was the nominee for the Democrat Party to be president of the United States. He is disgusting. He's unconscionable. And fact of the matter is, he tried to undermine a sitting president who has to deal with difficulties as it is. It's the same administration, don't forget, the Obama administration that spied on Netanyahu, spied on members of Congress, spied on organizations that disagree with them. So it's quite a tyrannical organization. So I'm not surprised at what Kerry's done. Pelosi met, you'll recall, in Syria to undermine a Republican president. Jim Wright met in or spoke with in Nicaragua, the Sandinistas, to undermine a Republican president. Ted Kennedy, I talk about it all the time uh, as, as a result of our buddy Paul Kengor. Uh, he, he obviously tried to uh, conspire with the Soviet, the Kremlin, in order to defeat Ronald Reagan for president. I can talk about Alger Hiss, who was a, uh, a wonder boy of the, of the left progressive Democrat Party, who was an advisor to FDR. Turns out he was also an advisor to Stalin. He was a communist. So uh, they have a long history of this crap. And meanwhile, they're concerned about Russian in, in, intrusion in our election. Except, of course, when it comes to their candidate. When it comes to their candidate, they're deaf, dumb, and blind. When it comes to their candidate working with the Russians and their party working with the Russians through Fusion GPS, no, that's not a big deal. That shouldn't be invested. That's a diversion. All right, Judy, thank you for your call. I think I'm going to have a steak tonight. Well done with a little bit of, uh, what should I call it, red sauce so I don't upset everybody, Mr. Producer? A little bit of red sauce. John. Thousand Oaks, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Mr. Levin, uh, big, big fan. Watch your show on, on Sunday night. Great show. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I listen to you on the radio during the day, and you're doing an awesome job. That's all I can tell you. And Thank uh, you. you're, making, you're making a difference. You made a difference. I always used to be a liberal, so I started listening to you. 
believe. Really? You well, can, thank you. You converted me. That's right. I actually voted for the Clintons back in the day. Yeah. But, uh, Somebody I, I, I used to watch you run and around, and you were like after them for all that time. I, I couldn't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I started really listening to you, and I, I started, re, you know, revealing. They exposed themselves, you know. Later, they started exposing. You, it, see, you was, know, you know, I've been fighting this force. I've been fighting these people all my life. And in terms of TV, it's been over 20 years I've been fighting them. Yeah, I was going to say 20 years. And uh, I remember I, I, I couldn't stand you. I couldn't stand you. you, were, you ah, were, come uh, on. You love You me. were like, uh, you were unstoppable. I mean, you were, you were everywhere uh, bringing them down and exposing them. And everything that you said back then is now we see how far they went. Mm-hmm. You told us they were so corrupt back then, and now we see it now. Everybody sees it. But you saw it then. A lot of people denied it for many, many years. But, uh, well, sir, you would not make a good radio host. You want to know why? Because you're not I allowed to give credit where credit is due. Anyway, go right ahead. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, I was going to tell you that uh, what Trump is doing is pretty amazing. He's, yep. he's looking at everything like a builder, you know, and he, he sees what needs to be torn down. It has to be torn down before you can rebuild. So anything that he sees that is, that's been established before and it's, it's worthless or it's not worth building over or on or with or adding to, he's demolishing it. Well, that's an and interesting analogy. That's not a bad one, actually. And he's building. And he's building like these relationships. You know, he always says, I'm building relationships. We're building relationships in, 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 in Korea. In North Korea, we're building relationships. We're, and you know our old allies like uh, Macron and and Merkel. I mean, they need to know that we are the leader. See, yeah. And by the way, what the hell are they leading? Their country's overrun. They've uh, the countries that both those countries have been utterly changed, particularly under Merkel. I mean, uh, she's having enough trouble handling her own country. She's destroyed it. We don't need want, any advice from her. They want to tell her how to run our country. And uh, we are we are the leader. Yeah, Germany tried that before, you know. It didn't turn out so well. It did not turn out so well. So we are the we are the big dog, and uh, you ally with us, and we'll get you where you need to go. Because they right. need our help. Excellent call. Nice to meet you. See, I'm, to know me is to love me. Bella, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Mark, my mother here, Hadassah, is a Holocaust survivor, and oh, she my. is absolutely crazy about you. Thank you. Okay, she's, ab- she's right here. I'm crazy she- about her. Oh, absolutely. My mother was liberated on 5-5-45 by the Americans. Um, she was going to be gassed that day oh, at my housing, and she, the Americans came and liberated her, so we want to say a shout-out to all the veterans that are still alive and to any of this, you know, we also want to honor all those soldiers. It's V-Day, yes. And also congratulations to Trump on the Iran deal. And we are absolutely thrilled today on Victory Day, and we're very, very happy. And my mom is absolutely loves you. Well, you give her my best. I love her too. It is V-Day. Thank you very much, Bella. You know, uh, I forget which camp it was, unfortunately. But when these camps were uncovered and uh, Eisenhower saw one of the camps, he insisted that all the generals in the region come look at the camp and see what the Nazis had done there. 
the American generals. And they couldn't believe it. Just to point that out. Let us go to Janet, Cleveland, Ohio, XM Satellite. How are you, Janet? Hi, I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you. I was talking to Mr. Producer, I believe. Yes. Yes. And I had a few questions for you throughout the years. I've been listening to you. I had to go home and get on the TV to put a face to the voice. I'm a truck driver over the road. Well, good for you. What what kind of stuff do you drive? I am in a Freightliner FLD, Mm -hmm. 10-speed. I haul just about everything. I'm very impressed with the recycling that's going on in the country. We mm-hmm. do a lot of that. and uh, I'm glad you do. Together. Unfortunately, I don't do a lot of that. But that's just me. You know, I'm just one person. Well, they take care of that problem for us. They separate our garbage, mm-hmm. and they have crews that do a lot of that. I'm real impressed with it all, really. Yep. But I'm listening to uh, the news going around. You come on. I stay on your station. But Thank I you. hear that uh, Obama is like, oh, no, what has Trump done? They're the most <laughs> dangerous people in the world. And but, Well, why aren't you behind him 100% then if they're the most dangerous people Good in the point. world? Good point. And I'll what? tell you what. Obama issued a, a, uh, a screed, and I started reading it, and I said to myself, you know what I said, Janet? Why do I give a damn what he says? He got us into this pickle in the first place. I'm not reading it. Right. I'm quite the protester, aren't I? No. No, I, <laughs> I think you're awesome. I remember well, when he first got elected, the thing that he said he'd miss the worst was his Blackberry and his Marlboro cigarette. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Black, you know, he didn't do anything about Hillary's Blackberry. No, of course they they, they destroyed it when when the... When the evidence uh, should have been presented. Well, Janet, thank you. Be careful out there. And you take care. I love our truckers out there. You know who else listens? The Uber people, the taxi drivers, people in their cars, you know, our wonderful police officers. Oh, yeah. You federal judges. Yeah, we know you too. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My man Stephen A. was in rare form this morning on First Take. I can't watch it all. I catch a little piece of it. He can keep the music up. Oh, yeah. He put down that guy, Max, whose eyeballs are like glued to the TV lens. You're a boxing guy. You're not a basketball guy. Quite true, by the way. All right. Now you can kill it. By the way, 21, 22% of the vote in in West Virginia, the Republican primary... Patrick Marcy, the Attorney General of West Virginia, is 33.4%. Evan Jenkins, the Congressman, has 28.5%. Blankenship is 21.6%. So it looks like it's going to be Marcy or Jenkins. It doesn't look like Blankenship is going to slip in unless there's a Blankenship juggernaut somewhere in the state. I don't think there is. Just saying. Big news. In the last two weeks, Simply Safe won Editor's Choice Awards from CNET Magazine, PC Magazine, and The Wirecutter. Three respected product testers. They put Simply Safe through a battery of tests, compared it to other home security products. Simply Safe won every time. 
I've been telling you about Simply Safe for a while now. My opinion, it is the best home security system, hands down. They protect over 2 million Americans, including my family and me. Now, this is a home security system you actually want in your home. The sensors are tiny. You won't even notice them. It's unbelievably easy to use. You can control it right from your phone. Here's the most important reason. It's not a gadget. Hello, it's not a gadget. It's comprehensive protection for all your windows, your doors, your entire home to protect your family. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Professional alarm monitoring there for you around the clock. Just $15 a month. No contracts, no wires, cutting edge technology. What else could you want? No one else is like this. Learn more about how Simply Safe can help protect your family and your home. Just go to simplysafemark.com. Simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. Seriously, you've heard me talk about it. Now's the time to jump. All righty. Let's see. Let us go to uh, Jason, San Antonio, Texas, the Great Curve, K E R V. Go. Hey, Mark. Jason Hawthorne here. Um, want to first thank you for uh, sending me a copy of Plunder and Deceit for my kid. Uh, we talked a couple years ago. I remember. Uh, he, my pleasure. He, he was a senior, and uh, you saved his uh, soul and my sanity. Thank you. Oh, it helped? Uh, <laughs> it helped him, but uh, now we've got a eighteen-year-old uh, senior girl to, uh, to to work on. So, uh, we'll, man, oh uh, man, I, what's in the water there? <laughs> I digress from there. Yes, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I wanted to talk about the Mossad because the article that you posted last uh, last week yeah. uh, was extraordinary by the Jewish Times, and um, if this was, you know, a Hollywood movie. They'd be like, what the best supporting actor? Yeah, I mean, I mean they were they were not literally, but effectively, just steps ahead of the Iranians. It, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. They uh, what what was the quote that they were on their tails? Yeah, right? on their tails. Yeah, it, it was amazing, and that may have tipped the scales to, uh, to, to. It may have tipped the scales, and they get all this material that shows evidence of how the, the Iranians lied. And and got this deal, and then all you hear the critics say, "Oh, well, we all knew that. What's new? It's like, are you out of your minds? What's new? Yeah. Do you remember them <laughs> showing us evidence of any kind that the Iranians were building nukes?" And no, everybody kept saying, "No, no, no. It's not a problem. It's for it's for energy. They need energy. That's the ticket." And the, anyway. the amount of information that they took, they were in in safe. I mean, this this should be a Hollywood movie. It's for, it's it's insane. No, that's and on top of that, you know, the financial interests of Europe and, uh, y- y- you know, uh, Obama's legacy. I- I- I've never understood this. Why should we follow Germany and France? Yes, Why should we? When it comes to securing our nation against ICBMs with nuclear warheads, why should we listen to France and Germany? Does it occur to the liberal media that maybe France and Germany are wrong? And maybe we're right for once? Exactly. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. To have your daughter read the book, too. I think it'll have an impact. I really do. And Charlotte, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. College student. Go. Hey, Mark. Um, I just want to say that I'm a 24-year-old college student, and um, I'm constantly surrounded by a liberal bias. 
through my instructors. And so listening to you for like the past three years has been so grounding for me. And I just want to like say to all those students my age that we can't be scared to be to speak up because so many people our age don't want to say anything just because of the amount of people around us who are so liberal biased. You are to don't hang up. I want to send you a copy of Plunder and Deceit, and that'll give you even more to deal with in terms of dealing with these leftists. So I want to thank you very, very much. All right, in West Virginia, before we go off the air here, there's 24% reporting. Marcy has 33.4%, Jenkins 28.7%, Blankenship 21.4%. It looks like a horse race developing between Marcy and Jenkins, and we, we root for Marcy in this case, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We salute all you heroes out there. Thank you, all you Levinites. I'm very blessed to have you. Check out Levin TV tonight, and I'll see you on the radio tomorrow. God bless.